Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Getting a divorce, even thinking about getting a divorce, can be overwhelming, scary, and sometimes exciting. Join divorce coach and mediator Mandy Walker for conversations about divorce. The more you know, the easier it will be to make your divorce healthier, less stressful, and to put it behind you. Here's Mandy. Welcome to Conversations About Divorce. I'm Mandy Walker. Today we're talking about traveling after divorce. Now, this is not about going on vacation or a long weekend. What we're talking about here is an epic travel adventure. The sort of trip made famous by Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Eat, Pray, Love. Clearly, not everyone is in a position to embark on such a trip. I think having minor children and shared parenting probably makes it next to impossible to do this. And you do have to have some financial freedom. But what makes people think about going on such an adventure? Is there something about the marriage that leads to this? Does the purpose of the trip go beyond just visiting another country or getting away, having a complete break? Do you always grow or learn from such a trip, even if it turns out to be disastrous or something completely different than what was planned? And could a travel quest be in your future? Well, joining me today is world traveler, photographer, writer, and historian, Chandi Wyant. Chandi's new published memoir is Return to Glow, a pilgrimage of transformation in Italy. And it's about Chandi's adventure on Italy's historic pilgrimage route. And I'm going to leave her to tell you the name of that because I'll butcher it. But it was a 40-day walk to Rome. So welcome, Chandi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we're going to be able to talk about this. So, Chandi, um, give our listeners the name of that route, Via Francigena, I think you said, or something similar. It, you're very close. It's called the Via Francigena. Okay, great. And so, the, you, the, and this was a, a trek, a backpacking trek that you did, and you did it following your divorce and a traumatic injury. Uh, traumatic illness what how did you decide to do this sort of epic trip well as you said i had this double whammy of a traumatic illness and a divorce at the same time and i was feeling very rock bottom as i was going through those two things um one interesting thing i noticed at that time I had lost my primary person right when I felt like I needed him most because I was so ill and I was used to depending on him. And then because of the separation and divorce, he suddenly wasn't there. And I realized I had a functional dependency Um, You know, when you're used to having a primary person, you, you know, 
I would call him, for example, because I ran out of my thyroid prescription and I'd say, can you pick some up on the way home type of thing. And when I didn't have that person to turn to, I realized I had to learn to wriggle out of this this functional dependency. And then that functional dependency was really compounded by the illness. Then I saw even more acutely the, the lack of the primary person. So as I was working emotionally to reestablish myself on my own and, and wriggle out of that functional dependency, I got this idea that I wanted to walk across Italy. It, it hit when I was in this rock bottom space. This message came to me, walk across Italy. And at that point, I but didn't you, even you'd, know. D- you'd done traveling in Italy before. It wasn't, you're, you're familiar with Italy, so it wasn't a, a complete sort of bolt out of the blue. Exactly. I mean, I always turned to Italy in my mind. I've been in love with Italy since I was first there when I was 19. And I speak Italian and I have this master's in Florentine Renaissance history. And so I have this um, longstanding love affair with Italy. So it was no surprise that Italy came up. But I was a little surprised that the message was walk across Italy. Okay. Um, So I... I pushed it away and I said, no, that's just not practical. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I need to just get a job and get health care. And I would keep pushing the message away. And then um, after a, a series of events and, and contemplating still my my life and my situation, I ended up finding out about the this pilgrimage walk in Italy, this route, this Via Francigena, which I didn't know about. And then it all felt like it was falling into place. And I, I decided that I, I would go do it and I would follow my heart instead of following my head. You know, the voice in my head that was saying, this isn't practical. Right. You, you, need, you need to just get practical. Um, I, I realized that it was more important to follow my heart, even if I didn't know even financially how I would go do this walk for 40 days. So um, did you do it with a specific purpose in mind? Like, did you think, like, well, after 40 days, I will have done X, Y, Z, other than walked for 40 days? Yeah, well, that's a good question. It, It occurred to me that, at the beginning of the pilgrimage that what I wanted to do was write down my intentions for the pilgrimage. And I went into a church when I first arrived in Italy and I wrote down three intentions for the pilgrimage and just, and then put those away and decided to not take them out again until the end of my pilgrimage and that I would go into that same church and read them again. And the reason I could go into that same church is because I, I flew into Rome and basically started there, which is where the pilgrimage ends. Um, from Rome, I trained up to northern Italy okay. to, to start the walk back to Rome. Okay. So when you talk about... Um... A pilgrimage was this uh, a spiritual journey for you was it tied to your faith well i am not catholic these pilgrimage routes in europe 
developed in the Middle Ages. It was a time when people wanted to express their Catholicism in that way by, by taking a pilgrimage, often walking to Rome or, or to an important shrine. And as, as a historian, I have that interest in pilgrimage routes. But I was raised without a religion. And what happened, I didn't even think about this when I was preparing. When I was on the route, people would say to me, oh, you must be so Catholic to be walking to Rome. You know, they'd sort of be like, my goodness, walking to Rome. Wow. You know, that's practically like crawling right. on your knees right. to Rome. You, know, you must be real. And then I would sort of not know how to respond because I suddenly felt like an imposter, you know, that I wasn't even Catholic and I was doing it. And people were saying, well, you, but you must be, you know, so Catholic. So that um, was something to, to grapple with. And I, I really, it, I just got a lot out of embracing this side of Catholicism that I hadn't really been exposed to. I mean, yes, you know, I'd gone to Italy a lot, but I hadn't spent time with nuns and monks, you know, in monasteries and nunneries. And on this trip, I did. And there was some really wonderful things that came out of that. Can you give me an example? Well, one thing towards the end of the route, the closer you get to Rome on the route, the more you have an opportunity to stay with nuns and monks. Um, I stayed with some Franciscan nuns in a small town called Sutri, which was um, a couple days walk before Rome. And I learned to surrender from a an afternoon with with these with these nuns and it's just it's described in the book i probably won't you know get into the whole description of it with you here but it was this surrendering kind of peace that i think we all want and particularly in in the west we we want it but we're we're often not very good at it um and i felt that these these nuns had they had a way of um, surrendering, which which I felt like I really absorbed. And so, so you, do you mean like just kind of accepting that things are what they are? Yes. Um, it's. Let's see if I can describe it. Um, it was. It was. It was that, but I think it's it's somehow deeper it there's this deep peace that that comes with the feeling of even though it's not it's not necessarily going to last and you're not always going to react to the challenges in life in in that way with that kind of surrender that that has a, a deep peace to it but but having felt it for moments with these nuns, it is something I, I turn to later and I feel like I can still draw on it. And I feel like it makes me more relaxed and maybe a little more in touch with 
with something spiritual. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming, and probably wrong of me, but um, I'm thinking that this wasn't one of your, it wasn't something that you set out to learn from your journey. It was something kind of an unexpected gift from the journey. It, it was unexpected, although interestingly, one of the intentions I wrote down, and I don't know why, I mean, this, these intentions came to me when I went into this particular church that, I, that I've always felt drawn to in, in Rome. Um, one of the intentions I wrote was that I will learn how to surrender. Hmm. Um, interesting. I, I'm thinking that you could, if, if you were to embark on one of these trips, you wouldn't necessarily, um, I don't know that you can a, a, um, approach it in a very logical or methodical way and say, this is what I want to get out of the, the trip. Because I think that, um, that at the end of it, the trip will teach you what you needed to know, even if you didn't know you needed to know that at the beginning. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. That's, that's often the way these things work. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, um, if you were going to embark on this sort of travel adventure, do you have any recommendations for how long should somebody be planning on doing a trip? How long does it take you? Like, I'm thinking, you know, three weeks probably isn't long enough to really break free of our, you know, regular routines. Right. If, if, if the goal is to start tuning more into yourself once you've quieted the voices and starting to be able to listen more deeply and discover your, your own wisdom, for one thing, I do recommend a solo journey to be able to do that. I was going to ask um, you about that. Yeah. Um, for me, it was it was clear that it needed to be a solo walk uh, from the beginning. I never questioned that. Um, and, you know, there's other types of trips that are great to do after a divorce with with girlfriends. You know, I mean, just going to a beach in Mexico. Um, I love that kind of thing, too. But it just depends on the goal. For me, the the 40 day thing felt important. And I do think the longer the trip is, the more you, you start shedding a lot of the, the voices in your head, um, tuning in, like I said, to learning a, a way to tune in and, and listen. I felt started coming out of it more after about 30 days. Um, what was the other thing I was going to mention about that? Um, if you're if you're walking and your life is boiled down a bit more to basics, what you know? Where am I going to find food? Am I going to reach this town be before it gets dark? You're at this pre-industrial pace that I think also allows you to to tune in more to listen and 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 pull on your your own um instincts you know i i 
felt that I was learning how to fine tune my, my intuition and trust my instincts. And, and those are things that help you in other areas of life. Right. Right. Well, I'm, I have lots more questions for you, Chandi, but um, I just need to take a break for a moment. Here. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I want to remind our listeners, I'm Mandy Walker. This is Conversations About Divorce, and today we're talking about going on a travel adventure a travel quest after divorce. And my guest today is world traveler and author Chandi Wyant. Chandi, your memoir, A Return to Glow, sorry, Return to Glow, A Pilgrimage of Transformation in Italy, has just been published. Would you share a little about it with our listeners, please? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I decided to walk on Italy's historic pilgrimage route after a divorce and an illness. And um, the book came out of my journals that I kept. One of one of the, the main things I knew I wanted to <laughs> carry in my small pack were a couple blank journals and, and quite a few pens. I'm sort of old school that way. I didn't, I didn't take um, an iPad or an iPhone or, or anything like that. So I then after the the pilgrimage, I started trying to figure out how to write memoir. I, I had all these things written down in these journals, but I realized that I really didn't know how to craft memoir. And I worked on it on and off for uh, the last five years. And I finally felt like it was all coming together. And it, that was a really interesting process, <laughs> learning how to craft memoir. And so that, that's my, that's my book. Mm. Well, I think it's going to be a fascinating read. Um, going back to what we were talking about before we took the break, you did say that you, that you did this trip solo and that you felt that it was very important for you to do that solo. Um, was it strange being on your own? I would think that, you know, if you've been in a long-term marriage, um, it's hard to suddenly go and be on your own. And I think it's it's hard, especially if you're traveling in a foreign country, to be on your own. It is. Um, I, I found that when I was writing the book, there were various areas of the book where I was discussing that kind of situation, you know, that aloneness. Um, in fact, I, what I was feeling prior when I was in that rock bottom space with the divorce and the illness and prior to, prior to going on the pilgrimage, I was feeling what, what I call in the book an excruciating aloneness. And I, I definitely struggled with that, but it all, it, it almost sort of became the, the space that 
was being presented to me. I, I just, I think because I was going through the divorce and the illness and I was living in Colorado at the time where I was totally removed from any family. Um, I had no family anywhere near Colorado and for some reason, this is this is what was presented to me was was this this excruciating aloneness, and I just thought this is this is just my my path right now. I'm not going to skirt around it. I'm I'm going to just dive into it and and go to this pilgrimage on my own. Um, it it's tough, you know. It's there was times on the pilgrimage I thought this this is so hard and why do I put myself in these yeah these really challenging mm-hmm. situations you know why didn't I go just to a Mexican beach with with a girlfriend but you, I just had to trust the process right and so um um how did people respond to you as a single female while you were traveling really well I was treated really really well and it's partly because I was a pilgrim which I again wasn't something I realized but as the sort of first week passed and I realized that I was approaching people saying sono una pellegrina I am a pilgrim if, for example, if I was in trouble and needed a ride and I had to flag down a car and the car stops and it's a single man and I and I lean in through the window and say, sono una pellegrina, you know, I'm a pilgrim and I have a bit of a problem. Um, it protected me because they respect that. Like in the US, if you're just on the edge of the highway with a backpack walking along, you're a vagabond, a hobo, right. you know, you're not something that is that, that people can relate to in a, in a respectful way. But when you in Italy, they understand pilgrimage and you say I'm a pilgrim and I realized that it made me almost none like and I, I was really taken care of. Hmm. Okay. Well, so I think what your message is, don't, don't be intimidated by the thought of traveling on your own. That may be part of the journey that you have to, the, um, the universe is telling you that you need to undertake at this moment in time. Absolutely. So I, the- I know it sound it does sound very intimidating at first for, for a lot of people, but you 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 get so much out of taking that leap of faith because mm. the nets really do appear wow um so then and my next question is the and we t- you touched on this is the why did you need to do this over going to the beach in mexico i was thinking that um you know when if somebody's deciding that they want to do a travel quest um, and really then deciding what they do for that, you can be absolutely spoiled for choice. And I can see you getting like, um, kind of becoming indecisive. I can't make up my mind whether I should do this or do this. Um, for you, I think your pilgrimage was because you had that deep tie to Italy. So it didn't seem such a, a far, 
stretch for you to do that. But do you have any advice for our listeners on how to pick a trip? Well, I can suggest one way. It may sound a little woo-woo, but um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I do think visualization can be quite powerful. And if you're in a rock-bottom place, which... (laughs) Lord knows, I mean, all of us who've gone through divorce, I I mean, I know very few people that would say, oh, I just breezed through it and it didn't affect me much. I mean, you know, everyone I know just really feels that they're in this rock bottom place. Um, When I was in that space, I found myself turning to this breathwork CD that this therapist type of life coach type of guy he's a little bit alternative but he leads these workshops um that are really actually very um wonderful he's got a real gift Um, he's located near boulder um he had suggested to me that when i was in that rock bottom place that i listen to this breath work cd and and go through the visualizations and for me that that helped. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily in that moment, you know, that I, that I got my message about, about walking across Italy, but I think it is something to turn to if you're in a rock bottom place and you're trying to get a sense of, uh, you know, just a, a message for yourself, an image that can, that can help guide you. Right. I was also thinking as I was preparing for this that probably, um, you know, we fall, when we face lots of choices, we end up falling into this trap of thinking one of those is the right choices when really any of them could be the right choice. The, probably the more important thing is to pick one and then start making your plans. Yeah, exactly. Take the first step. Yeah, because then once you start making your plans, it'll become clearer and clearer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how soon after your divorce did you do your trip? I'm wondering if timing is important here or what, what, how, mm-hmm. you know, what, what role does the timing of doing a trip like this play on divorce recovery? For me, I was divorced in the, I mean, when the divorce went through which doesn't sort of end it, you know, you get this official piece of paper in the mail, but it doesn't sort of mean, you know, the emotional trauma is over. But um, the piece of paper came in the mail in the spring and a few months later in, uh, let's see, it was late May that I flew to Italy to start the pilgrimage. Um, and it was only about 10 months after the, the traumatic illness and the three weeks in the hospital. And so my body still wasn't even back to normal. So I was plunging into the pilgrimage at so a pretty the, vulnerable time. Right. So you did yours pretty, pretty um, quickly afterwards. Do you um, think that you would have gotten more from it if you'd waited longer or I mean what would you recommend to people who are listening and I think maybe less it's tied less to the legal process but definitely to the 
emotional process of, of the divorce of the marriage ending yeah i think you again um my comments earlier about uh you know tuning in and listening to yourself and trying to get in touch with your own innate wisdom really has to come into play here because if if you know that you're that you are just too raw and vulnerable to go off somewhere far flung by yourself you know you you need to pay attention to that and there's a there's an interesting balance that happens because if you start planning something like this there's always the naysayers and so the the naysayers are going to say you 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 become totally unhinged you know this is this is just the worst thing you could go do for yourself and you've got to really tune in to your own knowing and understand and set those voices aside and understand for myself does does this feel right um are could some of the naysayers actually you know be correct what what is my own inner wisdom saying because you 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 get so many when you're in that space of of grief and rawness you you just get a lot of different voices in your head you get the friends saying mm-hmm. oh you should be over it by now why aren't you moving on look your ex is already dating someone why are you not or you know all these voices about that people give you a sense that somehow you know you've let your grief grief process go on too long or you know you you have friends saying the best way to get over a man is just get underneath another one <laughs> and, and all of all of these messages, you know, about how you're supposed to heal, and and the you know you 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 can't you can't put a time frame on 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 grief. But if if you know that you really are too raw, um, you've got to listen to that. You've got to listen to what you really need and right. then you'll understand what timing is best right so chandi we're coming up on our time here and i've got uh, one more question for you is I, i'm really curious um at the beginning of the trip you said that you had written down your three intentions for the trip when you came back to rome at the end of the trip and you revisited that church how did your what you had gotten out of the trip compared to those original intentions well it felt very true i had this very clear strong heart reaction where my my heart just kind of busted open it was a really interesting moment because I walked back into this church kind of randomly, not at all knowing when they have their services. And I walked in at the beginning of this beautiful service that the, the kind, and I don't know all that much about Catholicism. And I think it might be the type called the divine liturgy that the priest is coming down the aisle, swinging the, thing that holds the incense and the whole as soon as I walked in because of the the incense it immediately like dropped me into this space where I left the rest of the world and I and I a a new sort of space opened up 
and the whole the whole service was so beautiful and i and and i felt my heart just bust open i felt like i loved everyone who was in the church without knowing any of them and and then i i pulled out my intentions and and my heart just said yes and i i had these these wonderful moments i of feeling feeling golden light you know washing over me it was mm-hmm. it really was the the kind of thing that it almost sounds cliched but um i i think that all you know all of the the contemplation and all the various struggles that i went through on on that trek it did help me get to to a place where where i could have a, a profound experience well thank you chandi thank you so much for sharing that with us and listeners if you need to would like to find out what happened to chandi between the start of her trip and the end of her trip then i recommend you get her new book it's called a return to glow a pilgrimage of transformation in italy and it's by chandi wyant and it is available on amazon thank you again chandi for joining us today Thank you, Mandy. It was really a pleasure. Well, this is if the idea of a travel adventure, or an epic journey, a quest appeals to you, then I encourage you to just do it. I, I don't think I've ever heard from anyone who did such a trip that it was a mistake or that they shouldn't have gone, that they should have stayed working or, you know, I almost certainly you will learn so much about yourself and it will change you. You won't be the same when you come back. And I know that there can be seem like there are a lot of obstacles in your way, but be careful that you're not using your house, your job, or even your kids as an excuse. Look for ways to make this happen. If you do truly want something like this, you can make it happen. And even if you've been divorced for a number of years, you can still do this. I don't believe that it's ever too late to take on a quest like this. So go for it. I'm Mandy Walker. I want to thank you for listening. This is Conversations About Divorce, and I hope you'll join us again next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.